Hello there! It is March 11th, 2010, about 10 in the morning. It is not a Saturday, I realize this, but this is the return of the much-absent Trilobite. Wow, I can't remember the last time we did one of these. Anyway, uh, since we won't be recording this week, uh, Pete is on a trip to Philadelphia. I am, uh, or Pennsylvania, somewhere in Pennsylvania, I am going to be in Chicago, and we're just doing stuff, so... It's going to be hard to get together to do a podcast, so Trilobite for you. Uh, I'm sure I can get Al into recording one as well. Uh, so let's see. Since last episode, which should be up on the site, episode 167 is up there. Update your RSS feeds. If you downloaded a zero kilobyte MP3 or if your uh, iTunes or Zune or RSS reader didn't pick it up, that's because I'm an ass and forgot to rename the file when I uploaded it. It should be fixed now. Go get it. Go get it. Go get it. All right, now with that out of the way, uh, what have I been playing since we last recorded? Uh, I just lost my mic there for a bit. <clears throat> well, I finally beat Final Fantasy VIII, uh, I believe, Sunday? Maybe set. You know what? I don't even remember. I don't even remember if it was uh, if I had beaten it by the time we recorded on Saturday. And if we did, if we did record after I beat it, then I probably mentioned it, but... Um, I guess for anybody who remembers Final Fantasy VIII, I just wanted to, uh, you know, blabber on a little bit about my last moments with that game. I I don't usually get this with a Final Fantasy. I, I wanted to end up rushing through the end, and perhaps to the detriment of my experience with the game, but I, I guess it was getting too long. Not the game itself, but, you know, the time that I was spending on it. And I'm looking at this backlog of stuff, and, oh, God, I just gotta gotta get moving on that. So I decided, hey, let me just bull through the game and try to do whatever I can to get to the end. Whatever. All the optional side stuff, nah, getting Odin, nah, Tonberry, I didn't want to do any of that. So I just bolted straight to uh, the last disc. I had no problem with uh, Adel. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. By the way, Adel looks like a Dude, it's kind of gross. Um, so yeah, I beat that pretty easily, and I'm, I'm refraining from using a gender-specific uh, uh, descriptor here, by the way, for that reason. And I went to Ultimatia's Last Castle, where it wasn't exactly easy, and I will admit that I flipped through a fact to get through it, just because I was, you know, again, I was I was tired of sifting through the stuff and and finding it out on my own, and again, it's not, not, not to the fault of the game itself, but when I finally got up to her, I realized that I was woefully underprepared. I think any of you who have beaten Ultimation know what she has in store for you. Uh, I went in with Squall, I think, had, you know, his junctions gave him about eh, 6,000 hit points. You know, he's level 37. Uh, the next best person I had was Zell, who was level 28. And he was sitting at around uh, 3,100 after Junctions, and Quistus was level 20, ah, it's 22 or something after Junctions. She was, she was sitting at 30, 3,600. So, yeah, you know how the game goes. You know how I got my ass beat. Uh, one key phrase is Shockwave Pulsar. The other key phrase when I finally got past that is uh, uh, Apocalypse. Yeah, there you go. So, somehow I finally managed to to get past her. I swapped my junctions around so that Squall was at 9999, Quistus was at like 6500, and Zell was at uh, 
at 7,000 something at the expense of a lot of his strength. So I wasn't hitting very, I wasn't hitting as hard as I should have. Also, I had no idea what the aura spell did up until the last part of the game, which is really stupid on my part to not have researched that. And I didn't draw enough aura throughout the entire game. And so I was, <laughs> I was not prepared for that battle. Yeah, but, you know, I managed to stick through it. I, I used, um, I had a couple of, I had like three Mega Elixirs that I had to, you know, kind of ration off. Uh, it's funny, the game fact that I read was like, oh, this battle should be easy if you have 100 Mega Elixirs. And I'm like, I don't have 100 Mega Elixirs. I'm sorry, I have three. So if uh, we're comparing three against 100, I guess this battle will be really hard. I don't know. All right, yeah. So, but the Mega Elixir saved me. Just, and, and a lot of luck, too, because uh, the Griever has this, you know, you, you know this as well as I do, those of you who have beaten the game, has that attack where he nullifies some of your magic and just totally erases it. So I can't, I can't remember exactly what I had Junction to Squall to have his hit points up, but whatever it was, there was this one time, and it took me about 10 to 11 tries to actually beat the game, but I think he... Yeah, so, so Griever dissolved whatever magic was Junction to Squall's hit points. So he went down from like... Th this was before I figured out how to get him to 9999. He went down from like seven or 8,000 to like... 3,500, and so he went down in the Shockwave Pulsar Blast after that, and you just stuff like that kept on happening. I, I would fumble to use life on a fallen comrade, but he would already be absorbed into time, and the next crappy person would 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 filter in, and that you know that doesn't help because they're you only really I only really junction three guys going in to have them up uh, all up to strength, and I was literally killing off the other guys who I didn't junction, so. Uh, you know, whenever one of my key guys dies, not good. Uh, somehow, when I actually beat it, I managed to beat it having Zell, um, who was one of my key guys, absorbed into time. And Selfie was sitting in his place, and, you know, with her measly 800 hit points, she was ha happened to survive somehow, and she happened to actually cause 4,000 total damage uh, through a mixture of, I think, her limit break and just, um, yeah, just a limit break. <laughs> You know, which is which is kind of funny because otherwise, you know, she because she wasn't a junction person, you know, would have otherwise been useless. So I think it's funny that she survived and actually helped out just a, a smidge. I know four thousand doesn't seem that much, but it's significant when you're down to no auras left and all you have is Squall hitting her with uh, hitting Ultimisha with the Gunblade. So that was pretty interesting. I started Yakuza two yesterday. It seems that the problems with the first game, as far as the control goes. Eh, maybe it's a placebo effect. It seemed to improve a little bit, but I still had that instance where, hey, I'm going to be punching into thin air, and when I turn around, I'm not going to be facing any enemy. So, what the hell, dude? Uh, but the one big thing, aesthetically, is that the voice acting, as as most of you who are following Yakuza should know, is in full Japanese, and it's subtitled, Thank God. I, ugh. Just memories of the voice acting from that first game. And and again, you know, I'm, I'm a gameplay first guy, but as long as I'm playing the game, if you are going to make things worse with bad voice acting or bad story or whatever, then that just makes, you know, that takes away from the experience overall. So I'm glad to see at least that that changed. Um, let's see, what else did I put in? I started Final Fantasy X right after I did eight, So uh, there was that. I think uh, I'm playing it on the PS2. Uh, sorry, I'm playing it on the PS3, and it looks really good. Uh, it. I don't know if I went over this uh, during the podcast, but um, playing 
progressive scan games on my PS3 bumps my TV back down to uh, 480 instead of uh, 1080 or even 720. So I have to play them in interlace. And at first, I was really pissed. I was like, why, why, why should I play these games in interlace when it should be, you know, upscaling all this stuff? PS3 is supposed to upscale. But then, you know, I, I guess from a tech standpoint, the way the nature of progressive scan for old PS2 games is that it's going to have to be in 480 mode. And anyways, in 1080, like I actually, when I actually bothered to take a look at the games playing in interlaced, uh, they actually look better than they do in progressive mode because it's upscaling to 1080. And, it, and so Final Fantasy X ends up looking really sharp. Yakuza, Yakuza 2, not so much. There's this weird kind of, um, not blurry, but kind of wavery effect around the pixels. It still looks sharper than it would have at, at 480, but it, it's this weird effect. Um, anyway, so I find it interesting, uh, Final Fantasy X, because I was playing it a little bit before. I decided to start from the beginning because I... I don't want to pick up where I left off because I kind of forgot where I am, and this is something that I want like Final Fantasy VIII to you know fully appreciate and not just rush through at least not from the beginning. And uh, just from the looks of it, it looks like it's you know at least the initial parts are very kind of like here's a map, here's one way to go, it's linear, and that's something that Al has mentioned that he had a little bit of a a prop not a problem with, but he didn't enjoy that part very much. I'll say. And that's one of the biggest complaints that I'm hearing about Final Fantasy XIII is that, hey, it's a corridor game. You just go from point A to point B. And this worries me a little bit, uh, but I just remember that from playing it, I really did enjoy uh, fucking around with the sphere grid. So at least maybe that can be a redeeming factor of it. Uh, plus, you know, if, if they design it well, then I'm not, I don't have a problem with it being linear. Um, I, I will admit that I've been reading some of Chris Kohler's opinions on Wired about Final Fantasy XIII, and it scares me a little bit. I, if, if none of you have read his opinions and are looking forward to Final Fantasy XIII, uh, basically he was not a huge fan of how how stitched together it seems, not from a it's sloppy standpoint, from, standpoint but from a... Here's here's a corridor and some monsters. Once you reach the end of the corridor, here's another corridor, and then once you reach the end of that one, here's another corridor, and it's just a basic. It's just basically a bunch of areas tied together with mo- yeah, tied together with monsters in it, and it's just not something that he is used to necessarily from a Final Fantasy game, but more so that they also stripped out a lot of the things that he liked doing, like exploring towns and exploring an overworld and doing all that stuff, and at least being given the illusion of some kind of freedom, because I realize that most JRPGs are linear by nature, but it's kind of... Um, they at least give you some modicum of of liberty within that linear constraint, and Final Fantasy XIII, as far as he puts it, seems to be like Call of Duty, except with menus. Now, is that a good or a bad thing? I don't know. I haven't played the game. I definitely plan on trying it, as I am a fan of the series. But, I don't know. I I, I listened to the uh, uh, Active Time Babble podcast from Jeremy Parrish. Uh, This episode had Parrish, Kohler, uh, Christian Nutt from Gamasutra, and Cat Bailey from 1UP talking about Final Fantasy XIII, and uh, they, they raised some very uh, good and, and interesting points there about how, you know, yes, it is a big change. Uh, whether or not it's a good thing is, you know, it's obviously it's ultimately up to you because different types of people will like different types of things. And, you know, while I always say that, oh, you know, it's good for what it does, doesn't necessarily mean that it, that that what it does is good in the first place. Um, I don't have a problem with linear games. I personally don't. I 
I have a little trepidation when it's applied to an RPG in this respect. I should say a JRPG because most uh, westernized RPGs are not entirely linear. Um, Unless you count the hack and slash ones. But I'm not going to count those in this because, you know, I I put them in a different category. Anyway, maybe I shouldn't. I don't know. Moving on. Uh, Back to the topic. Uh, I... And I say that because I, you know, with with any kind of medium of entertainment, you pick up a certain thing to play or to read or to watch or to listen to, depending on what your current desires are at that time. If I've got a bunch of time and I feel like exploring, I'll pick up an RPG, Western or Japanese or otherwise. If I want to have a quick, cathartic experience, I will pick up something like God of War. If I'm kind of bored, but I don't really want to put energy into it, I'll play Plants vs. Zombies or another casual-type game, right? So, depending on your mood, you'll pick up different games, and the reason why people put, you know, labels on games besides trying to make money off the marketing is also because they want to tell you that, hey, this is the type of game that you're getting. This is why you like us, and, you know, when someone puts the name Final Fantasy on a game, I know as a consumer, this is what it's going to be, and... Not what it's going to be, but this is a type of experience that it represents. And so if I'm looking for a linear, fast-paced game, I'm not immediately going to reach for a Final Fantasy. And so what they were saying on the 1UP podcast was, well, with the massive budget that they spent on this game and you know, just the need to compete with other high-def games in this era and to also not let the brand stagnate, which... You know, to me, I don't think it's been stagnating at all. Every Final Fantasy has been a different experience, and they must be applauded for that. But I, I, and I guess going along with that, thirteen is also a different experience, and so it 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 follows along that same tradition. But yeah, so in order to to, to you know to I guess keep with the times or whatever they want to say, uh, they 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 made drastic changes to how it works. You know, with the auto battles and the paradigm shifts, and not controlling all three characters and. And especially the linearity. And you know, when I hear pe- when I hear Kitase say things like, "Oh, Final Fantasy Thirteen is not an RPG; it's you know, it's a whole new genre unto itself." Immediately, I scream pretension, but maybe it is, you know. And and that's not a problem. So hopefully, I can you know cope with that. I I just worry that um it takes a long time to ramp up. They say it takes between 20 and 30 hours before it really gets involved. I don't think I can take 20 to 30 hours of that. Um, of just hitting the X button or whatever button they assign to confirm. It's probably X since it's Sony uh, uh, America. And, you know, just doing that. And I know some people are like, oh, all Final Fantasy games are hitting X. <laughs> I, I don't think so. But, you know, that, that's that there's other stuff to do, I think. And in 13, it seems like you just go forward, go forward, go forward, hit X a bunch of times. Just go forward, watch a cutscene, go forward, go forward, go forward. And there's, there's little else to it. Um, I don't know. Maybe I'm reading the impressions wrong. Maybe I'm misunderstanding. But uh, that's the biggest thing that scares me, not so much the linearity itself. Although, I will say that... I, I can't remember. There was some comment on the Wired review. Chris Kohler gave it, I think, a 6 out of 10, which is a, which is a rough score. You know, that, that, that hurts. But, you know, if it's an honest one, then, you know, I'm, gl- I'm glad he went forth and did that because, you know, a, a lot of... You know, a lot of publications tend to log games that are supposed to be good. Um, back in the day, I used to do the same thing with uh, with reader reviews, and you know, I I think I I need to go back and and rethink what I did when I was like eighteen or nineteen. But yeah, so so he gave it a six out of ten, and he and there was a comment that on the Wired blog that he posted to that said, uh, "What was it? Um, 
It's like why if gamers don't have a problem with something like Call of Duty, which is completely linear and even scripted, why should we have a problem with the way that Final Fantasy thirteen is linear? And Kohler's response, which would have been mine to that, was Final Fantasy is not Call of Duty. And not on a level of it shouldn't be linear, but on a level of Final Fantasy combat is inherently different than something like Call of Duty. Call of Duty is a run and well, it's an action game first and foremost. It's a shooter, and so there's con- Continual tension and catharsis release and all that stuff. Um, so the combat itself, mechanically, is, is well, by nature as an action game, is potentially more fun, depending on what type of gamer you fancy yourself. And, and when, you, when you play a Final Fantasy game strictly for the combat and something like this game where they say it takes about 20 hours to, to ramp up, not so good, you know? It's not Call of Duty. It's it's something different, and so therefore the main battling is not as intriguing. Now, if they, um, if they had, well, let's put it this way: something like uh, um, Jean d'Arc or Final Fantasy Tactics or whatever whatever other tactical RPG that you can think of, um, not that you can think of, but let's imagine for a second that those types of tactical RPGs that come from the ogre tactics ogre mold were very, very linear, and just was literally one battle, some story, the next battle, some story. And they, 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 they kind of are that way, but some of them aren't because they let you take side missions. Point being, that is a type of game that if you strung together a bunch of battles and story, that would be okay. Oh, perfect example, something like um, Advance Wars or uh, Fire Emblem, right? Because those battles are, are inherently, as, as they are tactical in nature, are inherently more intriguing and more involved and more satisfying. So that's okay. So, so to anybody who wants to make the comparison, I, I, I would I would say you should think about that statement a little bit because it doesn't apply to all games. You know, Final Fantasy to me has always been more about stuff that helps you prepare for those battles. But there's a lot of that stuff out there. There's a lot of exploration to find the things that you need to battle successfully. There's a lot of um, micro micro or macro management, depending. Micromanagement will be Final Fantasy VIII, for example. Um, but, you know, you have to build your characters up in the right way, you have to make sure they have the right spells equipped or junctioned or abilities equipped or whatever, depending on the game you're playing. And then when you go into battle, it's not an entirely involved affair, but it's still it's still a payoff of your preparation. And But there still needs to be some kind of break in there to release some of the tension or some of the pacing, or at least just give you some variety, because, you know, other, you know, the actual mechanics of battling in Final Fantasy have not always been that, um, have, always, have not always been that super intriguing, unlike a Call of Duty or a tactics game. I mean, I know I say that I play Final Fantasy for the battles, but what I mean by that is, is all that stuff that I mentioned, preparing for those battles, and, being able to execute them. It doesn't mean that the battles themselves are all that great. Um, so there is... Wow, that one went off on Final Fantasy there. Um, I also... Well, I'm, I'm about to continue on that. Uh, I also, while I was commuting to my friend's houses, I was playing uh, Final Fantasy III on uh, DS and Tactics Advance on GBA because I put 100 hours into that game back when I had it the first time, and I... I left a whole bunch of my Game Boy Advance games um, in a pouch along with my blue G- GBA SP, and I must must have left it in the hotel I was staying at for work because when I came home that week, I couldn't find it anywhere. 
uh, and the hotel didn't have it. Obviously, they probably stole it and gave it to, I don't know, whatever. Screw them. But so I, when I rebought that game, I vowed to at least put in some extra time into it just to not to get back to the 100 hours that I was before, but at least to, you know, put, you know, give it some more time before I finally say, okay, I'm done with this game. Because, you know, I, you lose a game that you spent 100 hours on, you feel bad about it. So uh, three is frustrating. It, I, I'm starting to realize that, uh, you know, I'm, I'm getting older and I have less time for things. And so grinding, nah, not a huge fan of that. I really do like the class change system for such a, and I'm not going to call it primitive, but that's an old game. Uh, it was, you know, it was a good advanced system, and obviously nowhere near as good as five, which kind of makes three obsolete. But um, there's some little things about three that I like, like being able to equip two weapons at once without having to, you know, have a special job or ability assigned to to, to a character. Like you can, you, a dragoon can equip two lances, uh, a red mage can equip two swords, just like that. All you have to do is say, I don't want to equip a shield. I want to equip a second sword, and that's it. And I, I like that little touch. Um, but I, I'm at the point, if, you've, if, if any of you have played this game, I'm at the point where I battled Garuda, and boy, is that frustrating. Uh, he has this lightning attack. It takes around uh, 600 to 700 hit points per attack for everybody. Right now I'm at level 29 and everybody has like 800 hit points. The, the worst thing is, or should I say the better thing about it, is that after he hits you with that lightning attack, he will also punch you. And that punch itself takes around like two to 300 damage. So uh, it's like, hey, I'm going to decimate your party and then kill you right away. Next turn, I'm going to punch you and kill you right away. And even when, I'm, when I have a Dragoon in my party who does the jump command, the instant he lands, he gets punched. And so it's like... Or he gets hit with lightning and then punched. So, you know, it's it's uh, I. What am I doing? I'm grinding, you know. And I think because it's an older school game and it didn't have the active time battle system, grinding is less intriguing. Um, I I I, I don't know. I, I and I know it's I know it's made for an older you know an older day. And I said this about Dragon Quest IV in my review, which I think was a very good old-school RPG, and that's why I gave it a 4, because there's still some place in my heart for that type of stuff. Um, that, you know, it sets out to do something, and that something is not necessarily a bad thing, but it's it's not for everybody in this day and age, but at least it does it very well. And Final Fantasy III is, is, is falling into that same boat, albeit with a more interesting uh, character management system, but a less interesting take on the story and the things that you can do within that story. Like Dragon Quest at, le at four, at least you could build a town with everything. At least they give you a taste of different areas of the world to explore and little vignettes, and they brought everyone together. And I thought that was fascinating. Not necessarily from a story standpoint, even though it kind of is, but you know, for me, I'm, I focus more on like the game world and the gameplay rather than the actual plot of things. But for me, it was more fascinating from the perspective: hey, they're showing me little glimpses of these areas so that I'm more familiar with them and I'm familiar with the characters. That by the time they bring them all together, I I can combine what I've learned throughout the first four chapters into the fifth. And you know, Final Fantasy III obviously doesn't do that. It it gives you these four these four freelancers, uh, or they're called Onion Knights in the original version. You know, and, and they just say go at it, and they they do add some element of story to it. They give the characters names, and they uh, give them spoken dialogue. Each one has a different type of personality, but you know, at the end of the day, it's just kind of very straightforward. And the, my liking for it is stems mostly from the fact that we never got this in the states, and thank God we have finally gotten it. Um, 
but in, in the face of learning to appreciate something like Final Fantasy VIII and and you know different old school RPGs like Dragon Quest IV, um, whereas before I was like, oh, Final Fantasy III, one of the best. Oh, it's so good. It's one of the best games I've played. You know, from the from you know. Especially considering this is originally from the 8-bit generation, and oh, this must have been one of the best NES games ever. I wish I had, you know, had a Famicom in New Japanese. You know what? Hasn't aged entirely well. That's just a, you know, a sad fact. I shouldn't say it's a fact, but that's my opinion. So, uh, well, that's, you know, that's pretty much all I've been involved with, uh, or playing that should hopefully tide you over for the next two weeks. Uh, we might do a recording on, on the Saturday before PAX East, but speaking of which, remember, if you are going to PAX East, send a letter to the mailbag, M-A-I-L-B-A-G, at trygames.net, mailbag at trygames.net. Uh, let us know if you're going to be there. If you want to uh, say hi, uh, we'll be milling around. We'll be there just as, you know, any any old other person, any other old person, I should say. I'm mixing up my words. Uh, I'm not going there to write for the site, although I probably will end up taking some footage and trying to, you know, write something. But we're just going there to hang out, chill and relax. You know, if you live in Boston, uh, come to say hi to Pete. Um, and Al and I should be there as well. We're going to go to the Harmonics night where they have rock band um, at the Improv Center or something like that. Um, is it the Improv? I don't know. Pete said it before. Uh, email us. We'll, we'll let you know. Uh, or you can also leave a comment on my GameSpotter Giant Blom Giant. Bl- wow. GameSpotter Giant Bomb Blogs. Um, GameSpot.com slash users slash M-R-C-H-U-P-0-N. That's Mr. Chupon with a zero. And on Giant Bomb, I am uh, profile slash Mr. Chupon with a zero. So, yeah, you can find me there uh, on the internets where people live because the internet's a house. And that's, yeah, um, physical, digital, shut up. Uh, That's it for me. I've been going on for about half an hour. I will get Pete and Al to try to put one of these up to make up for the lack of an episode this week. Uh, until next time, uh, I have been Austin, and this has been your Trado Bite for March 11th, 2010. Peace.